we came to here. And this is wonderful. So I have put my notes on the side and let the Holy Spirit take over. Tremendous thing. Wonderful. And that we can give a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ that is so great. I mean, we all must have a story. I mean, I have a story. There was a day in my life where I said yes to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and let him take over. And our stories might be quite different from one another. But there must be a time in our life where we say yes to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God never will force anyone into his kingdom. But he pleads with us as far as he is concerned. He has done everything possible. His love is revealed in Jesus Christ. As he came into this world of sin and darkness and suffering and death. As a light. And as he went to Calvary's cross, God showed his love. And said, now the door is open. Now the heaven is open. And the word of God goes out. Whosoever will may come. Wonderful. Great. We have a great and wonderful Savior. We have a great and wonderful message for the world. And so I had this tremendous experience. And I praise the Lord for what I have seen, what I have experienced. And I pray that uh, only Jesus might be glorified this morning and that the Holy Spirit may take over and may speak to our hearts. Now let's open the Word of God and the book of Acts and we will read from the second chapter. By the way, we will start today the second quarter of our Sunday school lessons and today we will consider the first of seven lessons which will deal with the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. The writer of this book is Luke, who also wrote the Gospel according to Luke. How would we describe the book of Acts? What does it, uh, does it contain? What is the message of the book of Acts? What would you say? How would you describe it? What does it record? Yes, right. The Acts of the Apostles. It is not so much doctrine as we find later in the epistles. It is simply the Acts of the Apostles. It is the history of the early church. The history of the birth of the Church of Jesus Christ and its growth. It is the history of spreading, the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he said to his disciples, you will be my, you will be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But also we could say that Acts is, uh, records the works of the Holy Spirit. And here we come to our topic for this morning, God's gift of the Holy Spirit. Now our text, we 
maybe shouldn't read the whole chapter 2. You might do so at home. But let us read, let us read uh, maybe from 1 to 6, and then verse 14, and then 22 to 24, and then 36 to 42. This might be sufficient. Can we read together? 1 to 6, chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Then verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, He men of Judea, and all he that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my word. And then from verse 22, 24, He men of Israel, hear this word, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as he himself also knows. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he hath taken and crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And then from verse 36, to 42. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom he hath crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. Let's, thank you. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, now as we have opened thy word before us, Lord, we would pray that you may speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Father, we would pray that Jesus might be glorified and that thy word may accomplish in us for what you have sent it. Father, we would pray that the Holy Spirit may take over this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we have this tremendous record of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This happened ten days after the Lord Jesus Christ was taken up into heaven after his ascension. We should note that Luke, who is the writer of the gospel too, that he closes uh, the gospel with this occasion, with this happening where the Lord Jesus is taken up into heaven, and also he opens the book of Acts with this fact that Jesus was taken up into heaven. This you read in Acts 1, if you turn over, 10 and 11, where it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said he, men of Galilee, why stand he gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. There's a wonderful promise here of the bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth for which we are waiting. In like manner will he come back. Tremendous. And how close we may be to his return. When we look in our Bibles, when we look in our newspapers today, and see that the world stage is set for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ to take his own home and then to judge this earth with tremendous judgment. Well, three weeks ago we spoke about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We said that those chapters in John 13 to 17 speak wonderfully about that promise where the Lord Jesus for the last time is together with his disciples after he had eaten the Passamal, uh, Passalam and when he spent so many hours, maybe four or five hours, just talking to them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. At the close of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, he prepares his disciples more and more, not only for his departure, but for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then after his resurrection, after he has accomplished our salvation on the, law, on the cross of Calvary, again he promised even more precise the coming of the Holy Spirit. But for a moment, let us go back to John 14, 16 to 18. Just a few pages back in our Bibles. John 14, 16 to 18. This is before his suffering, when he is still with his disciples. The Lord Jesus speaks to them about the Holy Spirit. And he says here 
in John 14, 16 to 18, And I will praise the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but he know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. I will come to you. So that the Lord Jesus came to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. When we say that Jesus lives in us, he lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. That if I won't leave, then the Holy Spirit can't come. But if I leave, the Holy Spirit can come. Simply that if Jesus would, would have remained here on this earth, he would have been confounded to this area in, in Israel. And the world couldn't see him. But now as he left and accomplished our salvation, the Holy Spirit came into this world. And Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, lives in every believer. He will dwell in you. And then after the resurrection, again, the Lord Jesus speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Let's uh, turn to Luke the same book which Luke wrote, 24 and 49, just one verse, Luke 24, 49. Mark knows that this is after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, shortly before he ascends into heaven. And this is what he says to his disciples in 49, the last chapter of Luke. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, that is the Holy Spirit. But tarry he in the city of Jerusalem until he be endued with the power from on high. And this is the same what he says in the book of Acts, in the first chapter, in verse 4 and 5. He says here, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, he have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And we should see that after the resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ spent 40 days almost one and a half months after his resurrection with his disciples talking about the kingdom of God. This is very important that we see this. It speaks in verse 3 of the first chapter in the book of Acts about this. He says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We have not in detail a report of the things the Lord Jesus spoke about to the disciples in those forty days. 
but we believe with all our hearts as a result of his teaching we see in the Acts of the Apostles. You know, when we see today such a distorted picture of the Christian church, and when we see how far the church has fallen away from the biblical pattern which is here in the Acts, one can cry out back to the Bible, back to God and let's see what he wants us to do what he has laid down in the word of God. The Christian church needs a tremendous revival. It needs again an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as never seen before. But it can't come until we repent. Until that what is called the church throws out all the doctrines which they had laid upon the word of God, the church doctrines, and all what they have added to it, where the truth is covered. It is until then that they throw it out of the window, their saints and all what they have, and come back to the word of God and see the pattern which is laid down here in the Holy Scripture. The Word of God is so wonderful clear. It is so simple. I believe that shortly before the Lord Jesus was taken up into heaven, he summarizes his teachings and what he has told them in those 40 days in this great commission which he gave. And let us turn for a moment to Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. Well-known verse. A well-known verse. Maybe 18 to the end. Where it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go he therefore and teach all nations. It should be here making disciples from all nations. This would be the correct translation as we will look up into all the other Bibles we have. That is what it should be. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So here we have a tremendous pattern laid down. How the church of Jesus Christ should be built on this earth. Making disciples from all nations first. Baptizing them. Who? The disciples, no one else. Those which believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the ones which should be baptized. And then we see how exactly the disciples followed this commandment. We turn over into our text in Acts 2, 
and we come to the close of this tremendous sermon of Peter. And when the Holy Spirit convicted them of sin, and they cried out and said, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? Men, brethren, what can we do? And what says Peter? Repent. Repent. Say yes to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And be baptized. Exactly how the Lord Jesus had told them. They did it. And then we read in verse 41 and 42. Then they that gladly received his word. See, there was the preaching of the word of God first. And then were those which responded to the word of God, which said yes to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and took him into their heart. And those which were born again by the Spirit of God, only those which gladly received the word of God, they were baptized. Isn't this wonderful to see this? How clear the word of God is, making disciples, baptizing them. And then we see the third step here. What happened with those which were baptized, with those which believed and then were baptized, they were added. Added to those which were already there in the church. Added to those 120 disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ on that day, 3,000. And then we see three more other wonderful things. The privilege of the children of God which are brought together into the fellowship. What do they have? It says in 42, And they which are now in the church by faith, baptism, and added to the church that those continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship in breaking of the bread, communion, and in prayer. This is the divine pattern how the church of Jesus Christ should be built upon this earth. And we could go from page to page in the book of Acts and we always see the same thing. The preaching of the word of God, the response to this preaching, some rejecting, some taking the Lord Jesus into their heart. And only those which believe are baptized and are added to the church of Jesus Christ. But a tremendous thing happened in early church history. If we read the history, it breaks our hearts. That as early as about 300, they started to baptize babies. At that time, of course, they couldn't immerse the babies. That would be a very cruel thing to do. By the way, baptism means immersion. The disciples didn't have any difficulties. They knew what it meant. Being buried with Jesus Christ in water and coming up and living the new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But it is so difficult that that which we have learned from our youth days wrongly to throw it out and to start again. To come back to the pattern laid down in the word of God. Then they started to baptize little children and as they couldn't immerse them, they sprinkled water over them. And here they, without their knowing, without their doing, without their will, those children were taken into the church, which is called, was called the Church of Jesus Christ. That we have this tremendous, distorted picture of the Church of Jesus Christ upon this earth, where believers and unbelievers are joined together in a church which would be the Church of Jesus Christ only for believers. Do we see it? I was shocked one day that I had to declare to go to, the, to an office of the church and declare uh, to them that I wanted to leave the church. I had to put it in writing. A church which I had never joined. Do you understand? The parents did it for me. Without my will. I was in the church and didn't know it. Right? It was never the pattern laid down by God. There is preaching of the word of God first. There is a response in our hearts to God. Then is the baptizing. And then is the adding into the church. This is a divine pattern. I'm sorry, it is not my invention. It is what the word of God puts down. And I think of Moses, you know, he was up on the mountain. And here God speaks to him for a long time, day by day, and puts down very precise how he should build the house of God in the wilderness, the tabernacle. And when the Lord is finished with him, he says to him, Moses, make sure that you do everything according to the pattern which you have seen on the mountain. This was the earthly house of God on this earth. Now we are a spiritual house built together, as the New Testament says, of lively stones. That is how the Holy Spirit does it. He takes you and me, lively stones, and puts them together in a spiritual house which is called the temple of God. And we should be careful that we follow the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we follow the pattern which is laid down in the Word of God. It is so tremendous simple. It is so divine. It is so wonderful. But it is so difficult to put things aside which we have learned from our early days of our life. Those things which we have learned wrong to get rid of them and to start anew in the Lord and to find out what his way is, what his will is. And revival in the church cannot come until we really start anew. I one day started anew. Brought up in the church, had a nominal faith in God, a faith which one day I lost. 
and this was the day November 1900, uh, November 16, 1944, when the Americans came and when they bombed our city. When my brother died, when my, our house went, and during that bombing when my mother was praying, and something inside happened of me. I said, Mother, shut up. There's no God whatsoever. How can he allow a thing like that? There's no God, there's no hope. And I remember that I put my hands on the mouth of my mother. I said, don't pray, it's no use. I said, one day after the war, when I was involved in the youth work of the Communist Party, and a very unhappy and a very confused young man, like you find them, hundreds of them, thousands of them today in our city. I was like that, confused, rebellious. was then that an English businessman gave me a Bible. And I remember how rude I was to him. I said, what do you want to talk to me about peace? I remember how nasty I was to him, but I, he, won me, he won me with the love of Jesus. He ignored my attitude to him, and he kept on speaking to me from the word of God, verses which meant so much to him, which didn't mean a thing to me. I didn't want to listen. But the Holy Spirit planted one word into my heart which would speak louder and louder to me in the forthcoming month. And this was this word, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. Then about a year later that I came to that point, that I said, oh, I will find out. If there is a God, if there is truth, then it must be found in that book which he gave me, which I never opened. And when I opened the Word of God and read a few pages in, in Genesis, a few pages, and of a sudden I see that I couldn't blame God for what was going on on this earth. Then man is responsible. God has given this earth to man. Man is responsible. From the very moment where Cain slew his brother Abel, from that very moment, we have a world full of hate and violence and war, ever increasing until we end in the judgment of God. Until God will say, now it's enough. Now it's enough. And he will come down in judgment, judging this earth. And he will, will build his kingdom on this earth, a kingdom full of righteousness. And when this wonderful verse in Daniel, the second chapter, will be fulfilled. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will build a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, which will never cease. That is when the Lord Jesus will sit upon the throne of his father David for all eternity. But as soon as I realized, and I was happy somehow that I had found my faith back in God, that moment when I read those portions, Immediately, I was thrown into another dilemma. If there is a God, 
as I saw it now. If we come out of the hands of God, then certainly one day we will end in the hands of God. And I certainly wasn't prepared to meet my God. I lived a miserable life, a very sinful life. And I remember that I said to myself, I'm going to change my life. From now on, I will live a better life. And then I will go to God and say, here I am. And it didn't work. It couldn't work. The more I tried to live a better life, the more I fell into the same kind of sin. It was a terrible situation. Until one night, after many nights where I was restless, couldn't sleep, smoking one cigarette after the other. That was, by the way, the only thing which helped me, which would quiet my nerves a little bit, chain smoking. Ran out of the house, came back early in the morning, where I fell on the side of my bed, not to pray, not knowing what to do. And then that the Holy Spirit brought me to the scene of Calvary, where Jesus went to Calvary's cross. A story which I have heard many times from my boyhood days. And for the first time, I realized that he did it for me. Oh, what a tremendous thing. To see that he was made sin. And you know that it is all by grace that you are saved, that we are saved. You know, when this three men hanging on the cross there, dying, and this one man realizing that he, Jesus, is the Messiah of Israel. Realizing that he is going to have a kingdom. That death wouldn't be the end of him. And turns in face to him and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turning to him said, today you will be with me in paradise. And it fell from my eyes and I see that salvation is a gift of God. That this man hanging there, dying there, couldn't come down, couldn't make good for what he had done wrong. Impossible. And I see that Jesus has taken this man's sin. Today you will be with me in paradise. So tremendous. What could I do but give my heart to Jesus Christ? And a new life started. A new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So tremendous. So wonderful. Started to read the word of God. Every night. Many nights through. And wonderful. The Lord takes care of your physical needs. I could do without sleep at that time. So excited about the things of God. It was so tremendous. I felt like a, an explorer who puts his feet on virgin land. Wonderful, a new world opened. And then I remember this was so great and so tremendous, this grace, that by grace we are saved, that eternal life is the gift of God which we have to receive, that I throw everything out of the window, what the church had taught, including baptism. I thought this is something which the church has invented. But as I study the Word of God and as I go on, I see that some things are taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that baptism is taught. That it has a wonderful meaning. And then I started to pray. I was all by myself. I had no Christian who could help me. No one with whom I could share the word of God. I was all alone. That I began to pray that the Lord would lead me to some people which would be willing to baptize me. Which he did. He closed the door there because of my preaching around. They couldn't take it anymore. They threw me out of the house. I lost my job because I was preaching wherever I went. And the Lord closed the door in our town. For my parents, I became dead. He said, we lost two sons. That's what dad said. In the war, Davis lost the third one. There's the door. So I had to leave. But it was the Lord's doing. And for the first time in my life, I meet Christians in a wonderful way. I remember how great it was that day I came to Essen, industrial town in the Ruhr Valley of, of Germany. And I was looking for a room where I could stay. And uh, I asked a lady which came at the door if she would have a room for me. And she said, well, he said, I have a double room. Uh, there are two beds and one huge room upstairs. And there's already one fellow living there. He just came back from England as a prisoner of war. He has no job yet, and I have taken him. Maybe you like him, and maybe you want to live with him upstairs. So I went up, and I met Willie Blash. That was the first Christian I met. He had found the Lord Jesus Christ in England in a prison camp. was the first Christian I met. And then we spent the whole day, and deep into the night, talking about the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. A tremendous experience. And then, one day, I found a group of believers. Just a small group, 1820, coming together in a schoolroom in a destroyed city. where most of the churches were burned and gone. And we met there on Sunday morning. And we would break the bread. But they didn't let me uh, take part in it. They were very firm. They said the thing to come into the church is by believing, is by baptizing, is by adding. And so one day I was baptized. And then I was privileged to take part in the breaking of the bread and in fellowship and in prayer. Tremendous thing. A few Christians which tried to live and to set up a church according to the pattern laid down in the Word of God. I wanted to say so much more, but our time is gone and we didn't do much upon, uh, in our lesson today. But... Uh, Nevertheless, it was upon my heart, and may the Lord bless it, and may the Lord bless this testimony and the word of God to our hearts. Let's bow. Our dear Heavenly Father, now we come to thee in Jesus' name to thank you, Lord, for this wonderful salvation which we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that we are saved by grace through faith in him, who has saved us. 
who was made sin for us that we might live, that we might have eternal life, that it is through his precious blood shed on Calvary's cross that the door is open. Oh, Father, we thank you. And now thy word is going out. Come. Come. Oh, Father, anyone here not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we would pray that you put your hand upon such a person and may receive the Lord Jesus Christ into the heart right now. And now bless us as we walk with the Savior, as we walk with the King. Father, bless us throughout the day. Bless the forthcoming meeting. And, O oh, Father, bless us as we are looking for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask in his name. Amen.